Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. The Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. I invite you to hear now the word of the Lord from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 23 to 38. It says this, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, son of Jani, son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Mathet, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Mena, the son of Metatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nason, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, son of Eber, the son of Shelah, son of Kaanan, the son of Arphaxad, son of Shem, son of Noah, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. Hey, TCC, it is awesome to be back with you all after a few weeks away. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for your health. We all here at TCC are praying for you. It's a disconcerting time. It's a concerning time. It's confusing time. It's our duty as Christians to pray for one another and to pray for our community. So we're doing just that. We're in our second week of a new sermon series that we're calling Luke for All Seasons. We began looking at the book of Luke during the season of Advent. And we are now in the liturgical season that's called Ordinary Time, which will then move us into the liturgical season of Lent. And finally, we will be at the spectacular celebration of Easter. The story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has the power to speak into and give hope to whatever season we may find ourselves in. And in today's portion of Jesus' life, we're in for a very, very special treat. We've got a genealogy. It's one of the two detailed genealogies, genealogies of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. Matthew has one as well. The genealogies in the Bible are often prime candidates for the award of most skipped over passages. They can be long, they can seem repetitive, and their bearing on our, li- on our lives at times can seem unimportant at best. But as Christians, particularly with the Reformed accent that we have here at TCC, we believe that every single syllable in Scripture is as important as every other syllable. So even genealogies are vitally important to pay attention to. And with this one, Luke is trying to teach us about not only Jesus, 
but about humanity itself. Here's what Jesus' genealogy is pointing us to today. A new Adam and a new Eden. A new Adam and a new Eden. Let's dive into what that means, shall we? Uh, Several years ago, my dad and I had the opportunity to go to Scotland. It was a bucket list item for us both, though it had been on my dad's a lot longer than my own, needless to say. We played golf, stayed at little inns in the middle of nowhere, and were continually stunned when we realized that the English language can be so impossible to understand. It was a memorable trip, for sure, and one day... We found ourselves in a thousand-year-old castle. These are actually kind of all over the place. It's amazing. And in the main hall were these giant books. The books were full of surnames that originated in Scotland. Now, my dad had always told me that he was, quote, at least 90 to 95% Irish, which meant that I was, quote, at least 50% Irish. While I've often questioned him on his math, I never questioned the Irish part. That is, until we're looking through these giant old books of Scottish names, we get to the H's, and we see an A and two L's following the first letter. Surprise would be be putting my dad's reaction mildly. Now, did this have some huge impact on our lives? No, not really. It was more interesting than anything. But as I think about that moment, it makes me wonder about what drives our fascination about the men and women who are, uh, find themselves and we find on our family trees. In preparation for this sermon, just this last week or so, I encountered three unique instances of people talking about their ancestry. The first was last Sunday when Doug Van Beek took offense to Pastor Steve calling him Fries, which is apparently simply not something to mix up. Then at our congregational meeting on Monday night, John Van Ryan brought up to me in private He brought up out of nowhere his clean family tree that he discovered on Ancestry.com. Finally, on Tuesday morning of this week, Pastor Russ Siders over at Sunrise Church right here in downtown Tulare told me in a Starbucks on J Street that he had recently learned he is a direct descendant of a famous pilgrim named William Brewster. We love this stuff. Ancestry, lineage, generational realities, it is a multi-multi-million dollar industry in the U.S. for a reason. It fascinates us. Knowing where we've been helps us to understand where we are now. But it's not always so positive. It's not always so interesting. For some, ancestry, genealogies, can bring up all kinds of feelings of shame, of pain, Confusion. Some in the United States can't trace their heritage back more than a handful of generations because their ancestors were brought to the U.S. against their will as slaves. Some have had too many family trees to keep track of after bouncing around in the foster care system as kids. Some have been fighting their entire lives to break out of a cycle of addiction and brokenness that has defined their family For generations. If you can relate to any of this, as I know that I can, then it can be easy to point fingers, to cast blame. And that's not unwarranted. Decisions are made, actions taken, and there are consequences for those actions. But there's also something much deeper, much older going on. 
Christianity calls this phenomenon generational sin, a curse almost as old as time itself, a vicious cycle that would seem to be so entrenched within us as to be permanent. But the good news is that this generational curse has been broken, just not in a way the world or you and I would have ever expected. Now, if you're able to stay awake as we read our passage today, I wonder if any of the names in that genealogy rang a bell. Maybe not our Foxad or Jody, but maybe you perked up when you heard the name David, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. Names we're familiar with, even if this is our very first time checking out church. Jesus' ancestral line isn't just a historical fact, but also meant that he came from a line of royalty. And this is hugely significant in relation to the prophecies which claimed the Messiah would sprout from the root of Jesse, which is another name that we find in this genealogy, the father of David. But what Luke ultimately draws our attention to are those very, very first names listed. Jesus, the son of Adam, the son of God. The son of Adam, the son of God. If you know the creation narrative in Genesis 2, you know that, of course, Jesus is a descendant of Adam. Adam in Hebrew literally means man. And as the first Adam, God created all of us, including Jesus, are ultimately Adam's descendants. While Genesis 2 tells us that the canvas for the future of humanity was clean, holy, and pure, Genesis 3 shows how quickly that canvas changed. Adam and Eve disobey God's only command. They sin. Sin not only enters their lives, but embeds itself into their very being, into the helix that makes up their DNA. And I'm not a scientist, but I know this about DNA. It's passed down from generation to generation, whether we like it or not. Adam and Eve are our very first ancestors. Their DNA is our DNA. Their sin is our sin. Romans 5.12 tells us that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. When I was 17, a doctor told me that based on my own family history, I was four times more likely than the average person to develop an addiction to alcohol. Generations before me struggled with alcoholism, and generations after me will have to be aware of the tendencies they've inherited. Whether they want to admit it or not, it will be in their genes. And so, while the lyrics from a Luke Bryan song I heard on the radio recently would love to tell us, I believe this world ain't half as bad as it looks, I believe most people are good, words that could be the anthem of a Western world drowning in self-help, the biblical reality is that we have not only inherited a sinful world, but we have inherited a sinful nature as well. No matter our efforts, we find ourselves living into that inheritance over and over and over again. Unable to break the cycle, able only to perpetuate it and pass it on just as it was passed down to us. 
son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. The son of God. Now remember that this is Jesus' genealogy. He is an Adam, which means that he is a descendant of the first Adam, just like you and me. And so he too inherits the sinful world. But Jesus does not indulge it. See, he too is born inherently with a genetic predisposition, but unlike every person born before him and every person born after him, he does not succumb to that predisposition. See, he is not only 100% a son of Adam, but Jesus is also 100% the son of God. And while you and me and every single person on planet earth isn't strong enough to break this generational curse that we've inherited, God is. Before that curse, to be broken for the entirety of humanity, an inheritor of that curse would need to be the one who broke it. 100% a son of Adam, 100% the son of God. And the only answer to Adam's complete disobedience is Christ's complete obedience. Jesus Christ, a son of Adam, the son of God, defies the world around him, defies the nature he's born into, and he goes to the cross as the only person to have ever lived a perfect, holy life. And on that cross, on that cross section of wood, on that mangled tree, Jesus dies. But three days later, he rises from the dead. And in that resurrection, he shows that in the words of second century theologian Irenaeus, sin entered the world through a tree, but sin was also defeated upon a tree. Jesus breaks the unbreakable generational curse started by the first of all men. See, Jesus is the final Adam. Jesus is the new Adam. It's a long passage, but I want to read it. 1 Corinthians 15, 45-55 puts it this way. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who were of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. 
then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? When we believe in what Jesus has done, when we believe in who he is, we no longer bear an earthly image but a heavenly one. We're no longer of the earth but of heaven. We are broken from the generational curse of all mankind, not by our own actions, but by his. He is the new Adam. And as we give ourselves fully to his kingdom, God will use us to restore a fallen world. He will use us to create a new Eden ruled by the new Adam. I want to end today with a stanza in a hymn written by John Henry Newman. It goes like this. O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. A new Adam, a new Eden, genealogies matter. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.